For those of you who were not here last week, or maybe you were one of our amazing kids volunteers and you uh, were not able to check out the podcast online, I shared a quote from a book that deeply shared, uh, that really, that deeply shaped the way I understand what it means to be a leader and a pastor. And the author wrote this, and I'll just read it again, just kind of catch us all up to speed. He said this, the role of leadership within the church is to cultivate environments wherein the Spirit of God might call forth and unleash the missional imagination of the people of God. Now, I remember it was like it was yesterday. Uh, there was this small group of people who were huddled in, in my living room with the belief that, that it takes all kinds of churches to reach all kinds of people. And, and we began to dream and some of you are, who are part of that in, in, in the living room there are here today. And, and, and what we do is we, we begin to dream about what God would want to do through our lives. Really dream about what part of God's mission to reach people who are disconnected from God by the gospel by starting a new church would look like. And in hindsight, none of us knew really, <laughs> none of us really knew what we were getting into. Um, but there was a sense that the Spirit of God was calling us forward and, uh, to, to use the word of this, this quote, unleashing the uh, a missional imagination within us all. And so with planning, fundraising, inviting other people to join us, we eventually found ourselves launching our first gathering September 29th at Kimberly Lane Elementary School in Plymouth, Minnesota. Some of you were there. How many of you were there? Oh my goodness. See... I love like how every year when I ask that question, the percentage of people begins to drop. And we'll talk about that later. Uh, but anyways, the story goes like this. It wasn't long until we, as some of you know, it wasn't long until we moved because we're not there anymore, right? So, well, how, okay, well, that's where you launched? What happened? Well, it wasn't long until we moved our gatherings there from Plymouth Creek Elementary, uh, uh, from Kimberly Lane Elementary to Plymouth Creek Elementary with the hopes uh, that being tucked inside of a neighborhood, we were tucked inside of a neighborhood in Kimberly Lane. We were hoping that Maybe getting, uh, being uh, at a school that was kind of along a main road there would, would allow us to be able to uh, let the community know that we were there. And uh, to make a long story short, after about four years of gathering in the city of Plymouth, the community that God was building was one that found itself when we did a little study, when we, when we took everyone's address who called Clarity Home and we put them in like uh, Google Maps and we drew a big circle. And the epicenter, what we found is the epicenter of that circle was the intersection of actually 169 and 94. And so what we ended up doing, and I'm skipping a lot of parts, <laughs> is we, we, we made a bold move. And it was a bold move. Um, and, and I will say this. For those of you who came with us to that move, thank you for trusting me through that process. I think a lot of, it, a lot of you go like, why are you doing this, Phil? And, um, you know, I, I, at least I feel, I feel it was a great decision for us. And we are here where we are today at Edinburgh Elementary in Brooklyn Park with the hopes of being the kind of church that would make a gospel difference. And the reason why we move is because we wanted to make a gospel difference in the everyday circles of influence in our lives. Our strategy and how we do things will always be structured around how can we empower the people of God to do the work of God 
in their circles of influence. And so that was the main reason why we moved. We didn't move or whatever. For, for, for any other reason than that, we wanted to say, look, here's our people. How can we continue to strategize and move ourselves to empower our people to be the work of the gospel in our circles of influence? And so for a long time, uh, believers looking for a church home, uh, to, to those maybe who were invited to come to a gathering because someone promised them uh, lunch after, people have been introduced to clarity by walking through the doors of our Sunday morning gatherings to either rediscover or discover for the first time clarity on who Christ is. And I think it's funny that as every year we ask that question, like how many of you were there that first? The numbers go down and down because here's the reality. Many of you were introduced to clarity by walking through what? The front doors of our gatherings. And from being part of a church that helped you find faith in Jesus, or maybe your story was that, you know, personally I had the honor of, of maybe baptizing you and, and as you made your public confession of faith in, in God in, this, in the same way that Jesus did. Listen, it has been absolutely amazing to see God bring healing to the broken, uh, hope to the brokenhearted, and, and bring really, honestly, a vision of what life would look like if followers of Jesus would reorganize their lives, and this is really important, would reorganize their lives to live it as family on mission together with God. And as I said last week, elementary schools have been an amazing context for gathering people to experience the reality of the gospel of Jesus on Sunday mornings. However, we know that we can't stay here forever. Here are a couple reasons. One, to most people in our, uh, in our area, we don't even exist six days a week, okay? They don't even know we're here. I can't tell you how many times I've met people who just live right across the street and like, we didn't even know a church was around there. We could SEO the living daylights out of our marketing stuff, uh, but they're just not gonna know. And so uh, our community doesn't know we exist. And two, there are still others who would never consider trying church in a school, okay? This is just weird. The lights are too low. The chairs are too hard. The band is too loud. You know, the, 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 it doesn't, there's no carpet. It's just weird. I don't get it. And I shared you last week about that person that I met that, that was quite rude when I told them we meet at, at, a, at, a, at a school. And they're just like, oh. She's like, oh, I would, I could never go there. And I'm like, hello, I just told you I'm the pastor of this church. And she's like, oh, okay. I mean, it's probably fine for your people. I just, I mean, I don't, I would, I would never. Anyways, um, so I uh, never went back to her again. Um, but listen, I know some of you, as we said last week, may, when I say that, some of you may go, well, that's because people are consumeristic and they're, they're shallow and they don't really follow Jesus and they're, they're, they're really not, you know, understanding what the church really is. And it's not about the building, it's about the people. And, and, if, and, and, and listen, if that's true, I, I just need to ask you a question. Does God desire that self-centered, consumeristic people be conformed and transformed into the likeness of Jesus? Do you believe that God wants to do that? And then if he does, if that's your answer, if the answer is yes, then we have a responsibility. We do. We have a responsibility as we have in the past to take bold steps in positioning ourselves to make the most impact with the gospel. 
And this is why I believe it is time for us as a church to begin looking for what I call a permanent launching pad for connecting people in our community. Some people call this a church building. And let me be clear, this is not about us being more comfortable. This is not about having to, to never set up again or, or having a place of our own, okay? This is a vision issue. From the very beginning, God has been calling us to be a people transformed by God to transform the world. And as I said, uh, as I said at the beginning of the message last week, it takes people being transformed by God to what? Transform the world. So last week when we began this series entitled 21 Days of Prayer, uh, we did this so that we as a church could take a concerted effort in seeking God for his direction and so that we can begin asking God to lead us how he would ask each of us to invest in seeing God's accomplish his work through us. Now, I know that the temptation is to me immediately start asking, because I've already been asked this question. Well, so where are we going to go? <laughs> How much is it going to cost? Oh, what are you going to ask me to do? <laughs> and listen, that's all really important information, and we will get to that later. It will be months from now. We're taking this one step at a time. There's no hurry to do this. I just want to let you know that. There's no hurry into any of this. In fact, reason why we're taking 21 days of prayer is because I want to let you know that as a pastor, as a pastor of this church, I'm going to try to lead us step by step through this and that through this process, we would be sensitive to how God is leading us and not get caught up by ambition or get caught up by our desire to finally get a place, okay? That is my desire for us. And so hopefully you would come, and it, but it takes all of us engaging in this process. Does that make sense? And so, um, what I want to do today is I want to simply remind us of our mission and inspire to grab us to take hold of it like never before. And my hope is that through this series, we will all take steps of spiritual growth in some way. And that's really what I hope. This 21 days of prayer is not just asking God to lead us, but that God increases your faith and that God actually grows your faith. And I believe that if we don't take this next step, listen, there will be people in our community who won't experience the love and grace of Jesus that we have. I believe that. And why? Because it takes a transformed people to transform the world. It takes people being transformed by God to transform the world. And so the question I have to ask myself as, uh, as God has you know, given me the wonderful honor of being the pastor of this church is, 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 is asking <laughs> with incredible sincerity and humility is God still transforming us? Is he doing a work inside of us? Or are we just playing church? I don't know about you. I don't want to play church. I didn't start this endeavor just to play church. I started this endeavor to, to uh, believing that God would create a spiritual family where I myself and my wife and my kids could be actively engaged and God could transform us day by day by day. And oh, by the way, I get to do it alongside others who are being transformed by God day by day by day. And, and it's been an absolute joy to be that with you, to be a local church family, being changed by God, transformed by God, with the hopes that one day, as he has been, uh, allow us to continue to transform our circles of influence. 
And so with the time we have today, I really, what I want to do is I want to share a story from a guy named Nehemiah. So you can open up your scriptures to uh, whatever uh, version of that is most comfortable for you, whether it's a, a phone on your a app on your phone or maybe one of the Bibles in the seats near to you. We'll be in Nehemiah chapter 1 and uh, through Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 2. And, and the reason why I want to take us there is because I, I think this story does a really good job of helping us answer the question how all of us can begin to pray for and engage in this new season of our church. And so uh, here's the context. If, if you're not familiar with who Nehemiah is um, and, and, the, and the history behind that, the, the nation of Israel had been captured and had been taken to exile in a faraway country. And after decades, literally decades of living in exiles, remnants of the nation of Israel are allowed to return home. But Nehemiah is still living in Persia underneath the rule of the people who kind of conquered them. And in fact, uh, we find that he's the cupbearer to King Artaxerxes. Now, this is a really pretty sweet job if you are into wine. (laughs) Because his job was to, guess what, taste the king's wine. Now, the downside is uh, you're testing it for poison. (laughs) So anyways, uh, but... The upside was this. He had access to the king. And here's where we pick up the story. Nehemiah 1, verses 1 through 3. During the month of Kislev in the 20th year, when I was in the fortress of Susa, this is Nehemiah talking, Hananeh, one of my brothers, arrived with men from Judah, and I questioned them about Jerusalem and the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile. And they said to me, the remnant... And the providence who survived the exile are in great trouble and disgrace. Jerusalem's wall had been broken down and its gates had been burned. Now, maybe for us here in 2020, that doesn't touch us really in a way that it eventually we'll see that it touches Nehemiah. But what you have to understand is that the walls of Jerusalem have been down for like about 140 years. And this was an embarrassment to the people of God. Uh, that, that the walls of their city had been broken. But it also left them vulnerable to attack. And there was a physical reality they need to deal with in order for the people to return from exile. And listen to how Nehemiah responds when he hears that the city is lying in ruins. Nehemiah 1 verse 4. He goes like, it says this. When I heard these words, I sat down and I wept. Now, most people in these circumstances, uh, really, if the circumstances of their own life get tough, like when when life gets tough for you, when it gets heavy enough, when it gets burdensome enough, uh, you will, and most people will, reach a point of tears, right? Have you ever been there? Have you been there where it's just life is so overwhelming, you just find yourself, you got done with what you're doing, and you get in your car, and you just kind of grab that steering wheel, and you just kind of put your head on it, and you just have one of them good old cries, or you've just been really stressed, right? When life gets hard enough, you will reach a point of tears. But Nehemiah is quite a unique individual, Because his emotional response has nothing to do with him being overwhelmed or stressed out personally. As a matter of fact, his life is pretty good. But what he's broken up about 
is over the fact that he has friends and he has relatives back in Jerusalem who are living in poverty. And the temple of God is destroyed. And as a result, here's the big thing. It's really, those things are secondary. The reality is that those things were causing this to happen. Their faith in God was wavering. Absolutely big time. And if you didn't know this, this in part was why we started Clarity. We knew that there are many people whose faith in God is wavering. We have never seen a generation like we've seen now. You just Google, uh, 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 you know, religion in 2020, and you will hear about the nuns, and you will hear about how, really, our church is made up 80% of millennials. Okay, millennials, where are you at? Woohoo. Okay, well, you, you don't like doing that because we're too cool for that. Anyways, uh, but you, and, and you know this because you know your friends, right? Millennials. You are the most disconnected from God generation in the history of America. We went from, from, from being a majority of people in America going, being part of a local church to flipping just in one generation. This is reality. This is happening. Many of you know this, and many of your hearts have burned for those that you call peers, friends, and even family. And we know that this is happening And this doesn't just affect people within the age range of millennials. This is something that's reaching everyone who happens to be living in this day and age. You see it, right? And so we had this heart and we knew we needed to build a community where those disconnected from God could find clarity on who Christ is again. Because you know, and I know, that many of these people didn't give up on the church because they didn't really like, like, the idea of Jesus, they were just getting a very skewed view of who Jesus was because of politics and because of poor leadership in church and because of hypocritical stances and because of misappropriated vision regarding what it means to be the church and what it means to put resources toward being the church and having the hope of the world and carrying the gospel into our everyday circles of influence. And so people left in droves because what they were reading in the scriptures was, was incongruent with what they were seeing happening in their everyday life lives regarding church or people who are related with churches. So they, they went out in droves. And what we said is, if we could just make Jesus clear, again, just, to, just come with this message. This is who Jesus was, with no pretense, with, no, with anything like that. We know that Jesus is attractive enough. And that he, there's something about him that draws people. And we knew if we could make Jesus clear, we knew that we could give people the best chance to make a decision on their own to choose Jesus Christ as Lord. And if there's anything that uh, really that I hope all of us would be praying over over and over again in these 20 days of prayers, it's simply this prayer. God, would you move my heart for what you want to accomplish in the lives of people in our spheres of influence? God, would you move my heart? Like this is seriously, this has been... If you want to know what I would hope all of us would grow in, in is that over this series that we would, listen, I, I, I know you. I, I know some of you, there are things going on in your life, and I know your prayers sound like this, Lord, help, 
help my friend who's going through sickness, help, help me, I'm going through this and that, like help me get a job and all that kind of stuff. And I, and I get it. That's, and you're supposed to go to God in prayer, all those things. But listen, if you are someone who follows God and who understands that your life, your life is, has a mission, which is more than just to pay the bills, to make it through your physical uh, situations that you go through, your emotional situations, it, your life is meant to actually bring the realities of the kingdom of God here on earth so that you could be a disciple maker who makes disciples, then you have to actually wrestle with this question as someone who says, yes, I follow Jesus. And listen, if you're someone who hasn't figured if you believe everything about Jesus in the Bible yet, you are everything I'm saying right now, you just blow me off. Just be like, okay, Mr. Crazy Pastor Dude. You don't have to do anything I say. But listen, if you are someone who loves Jesus and has said, yes, I'm, I'm willing to submit all of my life to you, you have to wrestle with this prayer. God, would you move my heart for the people within my circles of influence? Will you allow me to be the kind of person who you preached about? Loving my enemies, blessing them that curse me. Pray for those which despitefully use you. Listen, this is a game changer, game changer, okay? Would we have a heart for the people within our circles of influence? Not just the people we like and who like us, but everyone within our circles of influence, especially those who are disconnected from God. I hope that would be your prayer. God, move my heart. Move my heart move my heart so that I can accomplish what you want in the lives of the people in our spheres of influence. Now, in case you're wondering, pursuing the next steps will require resources. We've talked about this, but my number one prayer through this season of our church is not about financial resources. Zach, if you know the history of our church, um, we kind of died to that idol <laughs> of, of like, what we need to survive is financial resources because we had none of it. There was a very tough season. And guess what? God provided when we concentrated on actually being the people of God rather than worrying about finances, okay? We decided we were going to get into the gospel and we were going to figure out what it meant to live like family together. And guess we're here today. And so it's never been about finances, but it's always been about this, that God would capture our heart for what he wants to accomplish in the lives of people within our spheres of influence. I've been preaching that for many, many years. And so my prayer is that all of us would give us a sense of the vision that God has for us, that we will eventually be, that will eventually be the financial reality of what it would mean to begin the process of looking for a permanent facility. Uh, but, but that would all just be secondary. It would just be a follow-up to really what God is doing within each and every one of us. In fact, this is why Nehemiah, Nehemiah did what he did right after his heart was moved. So we read that he was moved. And what does it say later? It goes, when I heard these words, I sat down and I wept. So his heart was moved. And then he says this, I mourned for a number of days, fasting and praying before the God of the heavens. Now, if you, you skip over to the end of this story, you'll see that God accomplishes the miracle through Nehemiah and the people who came alongside this vision that God gave him. And if you were to ask Nehemiah how all of this was accomplished, he wouldn't tell you it was because of his leadership skills. He wouldn't tell you because of his, it's because, you know, he'd been gifted in project management skills. He wouldn't tell you that it was because of his contract negotiations. What he would do is he would point back to what God accomplished in the moment that his heart was moved 
And he began to engage on a spiritual level. At this point, we learn that God accomplishes great things when you engage on a spiritual level. So the question is, well, what does it mean to engage spiritually? Well, it means that we give our focused time and attention to what God is trying to accomplish in and through us during this season. I mean, look at what Nehemiah did. He engaged on a spiritual level. He recognized the need. And then his reaction was to what? Plan? (laughs) No, no, no. To fast and to pray. And so, this is the reason why we are all engaging in kind of this 21 days of prayer. Because we know that God will always accomplish great things when the people of God pray. And at the end of the day, I believe that a permanent building is necessary for accomplishing the mission of God's work of gospel transformation in the lives of the people around us. But let me be clear, a building is just a tool. As I said last week, the single greatest asset of the church is what? The the people who are what? Being transformed by God. Some churches treat their people as an asset, but are not concerned about their transformation. We are concerned about being the people of God who are transformed by God. This is why we're taking time to do this. This is really, really important. I need us to be a people who are humble before the Lord, saying, God, change our heart. Move us to greater levels of maturity. Move our faith. Increase our faith. Cause us to love you more. Cause us to love people more. Love the people in our spheres of influence more. This is what I'm hoping God does in our hearts over these next 21 days, even before we even ask, like, what will the building look like? How much money should we raise? I want God to move in us. Because at the end of the day, the single greatest resource, the single greatest asset of the church is what? The people being what? Transformed by God. Are you being transformed by God? Or has it been a while? Because it doesn't have to be. Today, you can begin to ask God, would you begin to transform my heart? Now, the challenge with engaging spiritually is the temptation to respond in a way that has more to do with our feelings than God's leading, okay? Feelings are a very, very powerful thing. I'm not saying feelings are wrong. We just don't live our life by them. We live our life by God's leading. And that's why before we get into all kinds of numbers, we have to recognize that the need in the lives, we, first we have to recognize what is the need in the lives of the people in our area and then engage in the spiritual level and ask God how we can respond. Um, Back to Nehemiah. Uh, By the time we get to Nehemiah chapter two, we find that Nehemiah is very, very, very distraught, okay? The nation of Israel is in ruins and he's just an ordinary man who makes his living by holding a cup of wine and drinking it. His resume is not really extensive in the terms of building projects, okay? But he has an opportunity. He's just a cupbearer, but guess what? He's the cupbearer to the king. And so recognizing the need and having his heart moved by God 
And after spending time in prayer and fasting, here's what he does. He finds himself in a situation where he can take ownership of the solution. If you read it on your own, you'll know that the king recognizes that Nehemiah is really distraught. And he asks him, like, what's wrong, man? Now, what Nehemiah says next is not something you would really do if you were in his position. Maybe you don't understand how being a cupbearer in, you know, in the king's court works, but speaking uh, out of like, not, you know, his job is to like, to do his job is to bear that cup and be like, yes, king, yes, king, yes, king, yes, my lord, right? That's his, that's his job. When you break out of that character and you upset the king, the king could, I mean, you were nothing to the king and he could have, he could have been killed for this. But after he was seizing the, but, but what Nehemiah saw is he saw this was an opportunity in the moment of an opportunity to seize, to be a part of the solution, to take ownership of the solution. And here's what he said after the king asked why he looked so distraught. Here it says in, in, in Nehemiah 2 verse 3, um, you know, may the king live forever. I don't know if that's the way he said it, but you know, he's basically buttering up to him, right? This is what you would do if you knew that what, about you, what you were about to do would be the end of you. You know, he's like, you know, like, uh, um, oh my goodness, king, uh, King, you're looking good today. Uh, new robe. Uh, have you lost some weight? Uh, wow, you've been working out, have you? May the king live forever. So this is basically what he was doing. And then he says what probably he shouldn't, but he takes the opportunity to be bold and says this. Why should I not be sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? I would imagine there was one. And maybe it was kind of like, why should I not be sad when there, you know, where the city where my ancestors were buried lies in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire? <laughs> Here's what happens next. The king asked me, well, what is your request? AKA, what you asking me, Mo? You know, what you asking, man? So I prayed to the God of heavens and answered the king. If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor with you, send me to Judah and to the city where my ancestors are buried so I may rebuild it. Nehemiah sees a God-given opportunity and he takes ownership for being part of the solution. And he stands up. And he acts. And so God ultimately uses those whose hearts are moved and who spiritually engage. But he also uses those who stand up and act and take ownership of the solution. This is because God accomplishes great things when you take ownership of the solution. And really, this is the only reason why Clarity Church exists. Because there are many of you who have said this. If there really are over 36,000 people just kind of in this community here that are disconnected from God, we know the numbers are even larger when you take a look at our county, when you look at the radius, maybe even 10 miles from where we are right now. 
But the reason why we're here is because there are many of you who actually resonate with this idea. If there are people who are disconnected from God and not connected to a community of faith, then I want to be part of changing that. We are here not because people are looking for a church, per se, but we are here because there are people who, who want more than just to be part of a church they love. They don't want to just be part of a great church. They want to make their church great because at the end of the day, they know that the church isn't a service, isn't a building, but it's a what? A people being transformed by God. And as you're being transformed by God, you're being moved to step up. And some of you have been moved to give your resources. And some of you have been, have been, have been, have been moved to give your time. Even, even when you look at your resources and your time, you're like, I don't think I can give any of this. But God honors a sacrifice of praise. And so I'm going to do that. You did all that because you want to be part of a solution. You were hoping that God would use what you had to give to reach people for Christ. And here's what happens when we live like that. God accomplishes great things when you take ownership of the solution. This series is not just about praying for a building. It's, <clears throat> it's about what God will do in us and through us as we fulfill our mission by taking next steps in what is the story God is building through those of us who call ourselves Clarity. My prayer is that through this process, we will be moved and we will engage in spiritual next steps and that we will seize the opportunity before us to take next steps in making clear the way of Jesus for the renewal of those who are disconnected from God and the continual renewal and transformation of those of us who've chosen to engage in this journey of increasingly submitting all of life to Jesus as master and savior. As the, uh, the worship team comes up, in these next few moments, we're gonna worship together. And what do I mean by that? We're just gonna recognize who God is, what he has done, and then respond physically by singing. Some of us will raise our hands. Some of us will be moved in physical ways, in emotional ways. But I would hope that as God moves your heart, that you'd begin to engage spiritually. That even through this song, you'd begin to, to ask, Lord, what is it that you want to accomplish in me? And Lord, would you lead our church in the right direction so that we actually, in our movement forward, make the right kind of choices so we do more than just get a building, but that we prepare ourselves to reach people for Jesus.